Jesus, we do come before you, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for this season, for this time, God, of Christmas, because it's really about you, Lord. It's not about us and even the tree, the presence, the lights, all of that, God, it really is symbolizing you and everything about you. Thank you that you are the light of the world that came into the dark world, God, to save us from our sins. And you died on the cross, Lord, on a, on a tree, God, on, on lumber, God, for our sins. And that's why you came. God becoming a human being, being born a baby to grow up one day to die for us. And we thank you so much for that, for none of us would be here today without you coming to this earth. So, Lord, as we honor you today with this special Christmas service and message, we ask, God, that you would bless it. And thank you, Jesus, that uh, this isn't just a story, but it's not a Christmas story, but it's the Christmas truth. And we thank you for the truth that is before us. And I pray that that truth would speak to our hearts, transform us, and help us today with whatever we're going through. Lord, I pray you be with us. And you help us look to you. And so we thank you. Anoint this time by your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now across the United States, there are funny names for some very small towns around our country here. For example, there is a town called Looneyville, Texas. It's a cartoon. No, Um, I think about a cartoon, right? It's actually named after a store owner, John Looney, who took care of the town's mail, so the town adopted that name. Another example is this. The town is called No Name, No Name, Colorado. Uh, What happened, the story is, when a Department of Transportation official couldn't find the name of the town, he put a note on on the map, Exit 119, no name. And it stuck. So this town is actually has no name. That's its name, no name. Another small town is called Peculiar, Missouri. It's in Missouri. And what happened was when the town couldn't decide on a name, they asked the postmaster to come up with one as, and, and to pick one as long as it was something peculiar. And so he did. He called the town peculiar. Well, you can guess why why these towns have these names. For example, Chicken, Alaska, or Boring, Oregon. Maybe nothing's there, yeah? How about this one? There's a town called Why, Arizona, and then Why Not in Mississippi. Uh, This one's an interesting one. It's called Booger Town in North Carolina. It was actually changed from Gastonia. I don't know why. Yeah. But I got to mention this little town of a thousand people today. Today, this town, it is called Christmas, and it's in Florida. Christmas, Florida. And of course, if you have a town called Christmas, you have street names like Cupid, Blitzen, Rudolph, Dasher, and of course, St. Nicholas Avenue. One of the main thoroughfares there. And, well, Christmas Florida greets visitors 365 days a year with a fully decorated 25-foot-tall Christmas tree. Of course, got to have that, right? Well, today we have a special message that looks into a miraculous event, and really it's the birth of Jesus, that took place in a small, a no-name little town that's tied to Christmas now, and it's a little town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And it's here we find today the Bethlehem miracle. That's the title of our message, the Bethlehem miracle. Again, we're going to be looking in the book of Luke, chapter 2, and today it's going to be from verse 1 through 7, 1 through 7. And then later on uh, in our message, we're going to be looking at Micah chapter 5, verse 2. So those are the two sections we're going to be covering here this morning. Now, we're going to find three things in these two passages. and, And it was, first of all, number one, not the best timing. Secondly, not a good place. And thirdly, not what 
it seems. So that's what we're going to cover. That's our outline for this morning. So let's begin here in Luke chapter 2. And our outline, number one, is not the best timing. Not the best timing. So here we are, Luke chapter 2. Take a look with me here from verse 1 through 3. Verse 1 through 3. It says here, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And we'll stop right there. We're going to continue on to verse 5 just in a moment. But as we begin in this chapter here, Luke chapter 2, there's three words that begins with this phrase, in those days. Well, in what days? Well, we're talking about the days when Mary was pregnant with Jesus Christ. And a lot of that is told about in the previous chapter. So in those days when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, and it was a time when she was coming close to give birth that this decree, verse 1, went out from Caesar Augustus. He's the first Caesar of the Roman Empire. So this decree went out that every person in the Roman Empire be registered, that they should be registered. It was basically a census uh, for taxes, for the Roman taxes. They wanted accounting of everyone in the empire. And so this mandate that went out for registration happened when uh, Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Luke writes that in there, kind of people reading there at that time go, oh yeah, yeah, no, I I remember him, I remember that. And so this was when the census, census went out when he was governor, all in that area of Syria, which really is back then another name for Israel, that area of the world in the Middle East. So at this time, everyone was required to register in their own town. Each to his own town, verse 3 tells us. In other words, you have to go to where your family was originally from. So you went to uh, that hometown of your family. So we see this. For the sake of Roman taxes, this census, everyone had to participate in the government registration. Uh, Benjamin Franklin famously said, you guys know this, he said, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. So here, Caesar, the Roman Empire, they decree, they mandate, everyone needs to be uh, counted for. They need to get into this registration and everyone had to do it in their home town where their family was from okay with the understanding that then go to verse 4 and verse 5 it says and joseph went up from galilee from the town of nazareth to judea to the city of david which is called bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of david to be verse 5 registered with mary his betrothed who was with child we'll stop there so joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus, they traveled from their little town of Nazareth, which is a small town in the area of Galilee. Galilee was a, is like the northern county of Israel. So they were up north. That's where they lived in this little place called Nazareth. So they had to travel north to Judea, which is the southern part of Israel. That's where Jerusalem is to this little town called Bethlehem, and that's in that southern part, in Judea County, you could say, to that small little insignificant town called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is actually five miles past uh, south of Jerusalem. Now, altogether, going from Nazareth to Bethlehem, that was about 70 miles 70, some say 80 miles trip, I guess, depending on the roads and everything you took. So why all the way to Bethlehem? Why why couldn't they just register where they were? I mean, why couldn't they stay there? Well, there was this mandate, right? They had to do this. The government was telling them this. And so they needed to go there because we read here, Joseph, now, 
he came from King David's tribe, right? The tribe of Judah. He was from that family line. And Bethlehem was the city of David. That's where David, basically, uh, his family was from, from Bethlehem. So that was a hometown. So Joseph had to travel all the way down to be registered. And you know what? Mary was also from that line, but from a different branch. And it branched off um, hundreds of years ago. And so she had the same lineage also. So they both had to travel to Bethlehem. Now, notice something here, though, in verse 5. They all they traveled. They had to be registered. They had to go all the way down from the north to the south. And But notice it says, Mary uh, was Joseph's betrothed. Betrothed. Now, that word uh, means uh, Mary was Joseph's fiancée, basically. She was betrothed. She was uh, committed to marry Joseph. Now, we understand from Matthew chapter 1, we know that Joseph found out from an angel that God sent to Joseph that Mary was chosen to carry the Messiah. So the baby she was pregnant with was the Messiah. The Holy Spirit came and, and God became a baby and a fetus and entered into Mary. This miracle happened, and so she was chosen to carry the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, if, when he when he found out Mary was pregnant, he's like, "Ah, oh, we gotta put this off. This isn't right." But the angel told him, "No, no, wait, wait. This is God's plan." And so he kept the engagement to marry Mary uh, until uh, the virgin birth of the miracle baby Jesus, basically. Uh, after the baby was born. So God had chosen the Virgin Mary uh, to carry the Son of God, Jesus. So so look, look at this here now, right? So here's Mary, here's Joseph. They're forced to travel. Think about this. At the worst of times, right? With a baby coming, and a baby coming soon, right? I mean, you could say this was not the best timing here for them to travel, for the baby to come. I was thinking about this. I mean, think about for the Jewish guys, they didn't they didn't like Rome. Rome was the oppressor. Rome was the one that was that was squashing them, took over the country, making them do things they didn't like. And and now this registration, now this census, it goes against what they probably feel. Remember when David wrongfully numbered the descendants of the people in the Old Testament, and 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 he got you know there was consequences of that, and, and because he didn't trust God. So so on top of the Roman Empire over them, controlling them. Now this registration comes out and they got to do this. But you know what? Back then there was no way to protest this. I mean, Rome was like governments throughout history. Powerful, authoritative, brutal. It was a brutal rule, right? If you didn't do what Rome said, that was it. You could be killed. So that's hanging over them. But to make matters worse, Mary is pregnant, yeah? Why couldn't have this come early on, right? It was coming, what, now nine months, right, into the pregnancy here. Mary is pregnant, soon to give birth. I don't know, could, could you hear them, their hearts, yeah, in despair, like, why now? What, travel now? The, a commentator say it would take at least eight days to travel that 70, 80 miles from the north to the south. I mean, the baby could come any time. We see the Christmas uh, uh, depictions, right, of, of Mary and Joseph walking and Mary riding a, this donkey. And I was thinking, well, it's probably an old model donkey, you know, one-seater kind of thing. You know, they, they were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. They had to travel. It was not a comfortable trip. You know, back then, there's no nice highways, no trains, no planes, you know, anything like that. The trip was dirty. It was dusty. It was dangerous. There could be thieves and robbers along the way. You had to go up a mountain, down a mountain. Think about how exhausting that must be to travel like that. I can imagine, at least I would be, maybe Joseph's on edge. 
throughout the whole journey. Maybe Mary's stressed out. They're both upset, angry, frustrated. Uh, this could be the this is the worst time for this to come. It was not the best timing for all of this to happen. But even with those natural emotions that, that I know I, I probably would have had, I believe Joseph and Mary must have persevered despite the timing of the registration because God had come to him. The angel had come to him. This is God's baby. And so I could see their heart that they were going to do their very best. And I could see that, well, God knows all things and there must be something they didn't see in this. So it was not the best timing. But on the surface... On the surface, the timing could not have been more worse, but God must have something more. I mean, we know Mary, her godly heart. We saw that in Luke 1. Joseph, to to have an angel come, I'm sure, oh, his faith is right there. On the surface, the timing could not have been more worse, but God must have something more. God must have something more. And I think that's something we all look toward, don't we? That God must have something more. We think about God's sovereign, sovereignty. We, keep, we think about, well, even though in the worst things, and, and oh, Caesar's not, he's not a Christian. Yet somehow God in his sovereign plan, he must have something more. You know, I like something that Warren Wiersbe once said. He wrote, God is never in a hurry. He knows what he's doing. And his timing is never off. Oh, I, I love that. That that gives me so much comfort and, and hope and, and faith and thinking, okay, God, I don't like certain things that are going on. I, I'm not comfortable. It makes me frustrated. It can make me angry, but God, you're sovereign still. And you're never in a hurry. You you know what you're doing. You know everything and your timing is never off. And, and I could see this with these guys here, Joseph and Mary. I mean, it's a worse time, right? Oh, I mean, I would be stressed out. Perhaps you've come today, maybe you're connected online today and you're watching your service and perhaps some things have happened right now. And you're thinking, now, why does this have, have to happen now? Right before Christmas? It's Christmas. God couldn't have waited Oh, couldn't you held back Satan for a while? <laughs> you know, you could get through this time. I'll be good in January. Perhaps you wonder, why am I getting sick now? Why is this disease manifesting itself now? Why is my marriage falling apart right now? How can I lose my job right now? How can, how can they do this to me right now? Can it wait till after Christmas? It's not the best timing. It's not the best timing. But remember, God knows all things, right? And it's not a surprise to him, is it? No, he knows. So in his sovereign control, there must be something more. There must be something more to what God is doing. There must be something more so God will guide you. He'll get you through it. He'll provide for all you need. So you know what? We can have faith today and trust God. And whatever whatever you're challenging, challenged in today, when the timing could not be more worse, God must have something more. And that's what our faith tells us. And that's what we hold on to. So remember this. How Mary and Joseph remember where they're at right now, but we know the story, right? This is how they got to the Bethlehem miracle. And it wasn't the best timing. Let's go to number two now. Not a good place. Not a good place. It was not a good place on top of that. And here we're going to cover verse 6 and 7. 
Verse 6, Luke chapter 2 says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So the story goes on, our Christmas story. We, we've heard it many times, but let's take a look here in verse 6 that uh, when they were there, when they were in Bethlehem, when they finally reached there, the time came. What time? The time for the baby to be born. So the baby was born right there in Bethlehem. Mary gave birth to the baby boy, Jesus, the Messiah. This was a moment that God became a human being, born in the flesh as a human being. This is what we call the incarnation. This is, this is when this miracle happened, when God became a man and was born a baby. This is the miracle baby, if you want to talk about it. This is the miracle baby. This is where Christmas began. This is where Christmas first came. This is the miracle in Bethlehem. Now, it says here that in verse 7, Mary, she gave birth to her firstborn son. Now, we understand that to mean that, that this was her, her first boy, her first son, her first child, her first baby. So that means later she had other children. And we read about that in like Matthew 13. So Mary took her firstborn. Mary took the baby Jesus, and it says here in verse 7, wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Now, in the ancient time, they take strips of cloth, and, and they, would, they would wrap the baby, and they take another cloth and wrap the baby, another cloth and wrap the baby to keep the baby snug and warm, safe and secure, so the arms doesn't flail and everything like that. It was just like, I remember, when our, our grandson, baby Manu, was born, and they wrapped him tight in that receiving blanket, yeah, and and uh, we have a picture of him with a beanie on too and everything and they're just like this like 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 my wife says oh like a baby burrito you know kind of thing and so picture that's jesus now there's jesus so jesus is wrapped similar to like we would wrap babies today but there's something different here though it says here in verse 7 she took that baby, wrapped him, and laid him in a manger. What's a manger? A manger is actually a stone feeding trough to feed where you feed animals with. Now you might be thinking, wait, 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 wait a minute. He's not like in a nice bassinet, you know, from Target or something. Yeah. He's not in this nice crib that we ordered from Amazon. No. He's in this feeding trough. And back then, it was made out of stone. Yes, what it's saying is that Jesus was born in a stable, a place where animals were kept. Most likely, it, uh, scholars tell us, it was a cave. It was like carved in, in the side of a hill, a, a, a rock hill. And so think about this stable. It was, it was probably cold, yeah, chilly, damp probably. Um, it was a place where they kept animals, yeah? Probably dirty, stinky. I mean, it's not like a nice, clean, right, hospital that been disinfected at all. But why is that? Why did Jesus end up there? Why did Mary end up giving birth to Jesus there? Well, it tells us in verse 7, because there was no place for them in the end. There's no vacancy. There's no place for them to stay. By the time they reached Bethlehem, everything was full. In probably a small town, there was only one place. The census registration brought people from all over, not just them, to this tiny little town. Could have been, scholars say, maybe about 100 people. So you can imagine. This town is overridden by people coming in for the registration. So the inn was full up. And the only place that, was, that had any room was this stable, this cave with a stone manger for the baby to lie in. You could say it was not a good place for the baby to be born, right? This is not a good place. And also, it seemed like the town, the travelers, 
perhaps they're so focused on their own troubles and their inconveniences, yeah, that they never notice this mother who is pregnant about to have the baby. You could say they missed Christmas here. They missed the miracle. They missed the Christmas miracle. I, was, I read about a mother who was frantically shopping on Christmas Eve and going from store to store to grab the last-minute gifts, and, and suddenly she realized she had lost her four-year-old son that she had with her. So in a panic, she retraced her last steps, and, and she soon found him, uh, quickly found him. He wasn't too far away, but his face was pressed up against a store window, and in the store window was a manger scene. And he was, he, was, he was staring at that. When he heard the mother call out his name, the little boy turned and said, Mommy, Mommy, come, come, look. It's the baby Jesus in the hay. Well, the mother came up, not even looking at the Christmas di display, grabbed the boy's hand, jerked him away, saying, We don't have time for that. Can't you see that Mommy is trying to get ready for Christmas? I would say she missed Christmas and she missed what it's really about don't miss Christmas don't miss Christmas because of your troubles don't miss Christmas because maybe there's some inconveniences and some things happening you know the place where the baby was born was was not like our nice nativity scenes the baby Jesus, right, in our nativity scene, surrounded by Joseph and Mary in this wooden stable. We have something like that. The animals nearby, yeah, cute little animals, making it all feel warm and cozy. The angel, we have an angel that with wings is standing over the baby. And the wise men, yeah, bowing down, holding their gifts in their hands. And, 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 and it's nice. What a wonderful scene. But not even... It wasn't like that. It was actually this cave. It was more like, think about this, a parking garage for all the travelers, right? They all travel. Where are they going to put their animals? In this stable of the town. This is more like a parking garage that Jesus was born in. And no one was there when Jesus was born. It was just Joseph and Mary. No angel. You know where the angels were? They are out in the fields, right? Uh, uh, later in this story, we're not cover that, but they were out in the fields telling the shepherds about the birth of this King, the Lord and Savior Jesus. There wasn't an angel there. Uh, later, the shepherds came, but when Jesus was born, it was just Joseph and Mary. And we know from Matthew that uh, in the book of Matthew, the wise men weren't there either. The wise men actually came when Jesus was a toddler, perhaps they say even up to two years old because Herod wanted to kill all the babies born because he was jealous of Jesus and everything up, and up to two years old. So the wise men was, was not even there. So imagine the baby comes here in this, there in this manger, no friends visit, no family, no family to share the joy of the first baby. And, it, and this is m more like we're all alone in a cave, in this no-name town, unnoticed by the world, the poorest of accommodations, and there Jesus was born. Now you could, you, you could think, God, what, why this? I mean, couldn't God have done something better for his son? I mean, I mean, this is Jesus, the Messiah, right? God coming to the earth. Maybe Joseph and Mary even wondered that too. But this was a miracle baby. I think they knew that. Perhaps they kept in mind, God must have something more. God must have a plan. God must have a purpose in all this. And he does. And we're going to see this in our next section. But what we see here, for Joseph and Mary, it looked like not a good place. On the surface, the place of birth could have not have been more worse. But God must have placed them there. Think about that. We know the story, and we'll see that in a moment, that 
Bethlehem was a birthplace. So God had to have wanted him there. God, in his sovereign plan, got Mary and Joseph there so he'd be born there. But on the surface, the place of birth could not have been more worse. But God must have placed them there. And that's something I want you to think about. That God may place us in situations, in locations, in circumstances that perhaps He has some plan. He has some purpose in it all. You know, years ago, <clears throat> when I was an associate pastor in California at a Calvary Chapel there, uh, we had a, a missionary come in and uh, he was um, ministering, a missionary in Ukraine. And he, he would come every year for furlough and all. And, and uh, <clears throat> while he was here, uh, uh, he shared with me an instance that had just happened to him. Uh, he was out running some errands and, and catching up on some things that he needed to do while he was on in furlough in America from Ukraine. Well, the car that someone lent him uh, it broke down on the freeway. I, I, I believe it was like a flat tire and all that, and there was no spare. And so uh, on the freeway in California, uh, it was not the place to be. He was stuck in the center div divider, cars racing by at high speeds, and, and he didn't have a spare. It was, it was not the place to be. He couldn't finish what he had planned to do. And then when the tow truck uh, finally came that he called. Uh, the tow truck was able to to uh, fix the tire with another tire that he had brought. Well, while the tow truck was there, the Lord prompted this missionary uh, to share with a guy, Jesus Christ. And he shared with him while he's fixing the tire, while he had him right there. Uh, no one else around. It was just him, the missionary and the tow truck driver. While he was replacing the tire, he shared Jesus with him, and right there in the middle of the freeway, the guy accepted Jesus Christ. That's a miracle. A miracle happened. On the surface, the place where he broke down could not have been more worse. But what? God placed him there. God placed him there. Maybe you're here today and you're, th you're in the middle of this circumstance this situation, and, and you're thinking, things are not going as planned. I had all these plans, these expectations, these things I, I needed to do. And perhaps, you know, you were doing your best. You're trying to follow God. You're giving your all, but, but it seems like, oh, I'm not in a good place right now. Lord, think about this. Think about how Joseph and Mary... They knew what God called them to do, right? Mary was to carry the Messiah. Mary knew that. Joseph was like, okay, here we go. Let's serve God. We're going to be parents to the Messiah. Oh, we're, we're going to care this for him. God has given us that, that privilege. And so think about them trying to do their best. Can, can you imagine Joseph back in Nazareth, you know? Mary, don't, watch out, don't step there. Here, here, Mary, don't bend down. You're, hey, you're carrying the Messiah there, you know, right? Imagine, right? Uh, more concern, doing more than even just, you know, because of the Messiah than a regular pregnancy. But then all their plans just <coughs> are gone because this is this registration. Now it seems like everything is going against them. They got to travel. The babies do any moment. What if we have the baby on the road? Oh, praise the Lord, we made it to Bethlehem. What? There's no place to stay? What? This stable? What? Right? Everything seemed against them, making it hard. They end up in the wrong place. They end up there at the wrong time. I wonder if they're confused. Right? Don't we think that, well, God, you want me to do this. You called me to do this. And so, boom, 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 things are lining up. And all of a sudden, boom, something happens. You're going, wait, Lord. Isn't this what you want us to do? Isn't this what you told me to do? And you get all confused. Maybe they were tempted with doubt. Maybe they were struggling in their faith. Is that you today? 
Maybe your plans aren't working the way out you thought. Is that how you feel right now? I don't know. I'm confused. God, you're doubting things now. But can you imagine Joseph and Mary there? The baby comes. And in that moment, a miracle happened. Just Joseph and Mary witnessed this miracle of what has been prophesied for since Genesis. Yeah. What's been in God's plan since eternity past, Paul tells us. God had this all planned out. And they were there to witness this miracle moment. The Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ who came from heaven was born. And I'm sure the miracle overshadowed everything. Overshadowed in all. You guys, don't miss this miracle of Jesus this Christmas. No matter what's going on, don't let the troubles, the unexpected things that have happened, the the situations that, that you didn't you, you didn't plan for. Yeah? Don't let it overshadow the miracle that came here and who we celebrate. And you know what? You never know. A miracle might come for you even this Christmas. As Joseph and Mary found the miracle moment in not so good circumstances, may you also find the miracle moment in Jesus Christ. Maybe you'll have your own Bethlehem miracle. Well, let's uh, go on here to number three. Not what it seems. It was not what it seems. Now turn over to Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5. And here we're going to look at verse 2. The Bethlehem miracle, we saw it was not the best timing. Mary was pregnant. They ended up in Bethlehem. They had to travel. It's not a good place. Jesus was born in this stable. But number 3, we're going to see here Micah 5, verse 2 was not what it seems. Look at verse 2. It says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, I can't say it, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. So here, the prophet Micah gives this prophecy that the Messiah will come from a little town, a town called Bethlehem. Ephrath, uh, anyway, you can read it. It's an old name for Bethlehem. And this little town, it says, you're too little. In other words, you're, you're insignificant. You're, you're really little compared to the other places uh, of the tribes of Judah. And, and so this tiny little town, maybe a hundred people, God prophesies that from there a huge thing is going to happen. A huge event that in Bethlehem, there, that's where God is going to bring the one. The one who is to be ruler of Israel, the King, the Lord, the Messiah. The one who is from old, that means from beyond when time began. The one who is from ancient of days. Literally in the Hebrew, it means days of immeasurable time. In other words, the Messiah comes from beyond eternity past because Jesus is God and God is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. So Jesus Christ is God the Son who stepped from eternity into human history to be born to then die for our sins. God chose now, we see in this prophecy, this insignificant, small little town of Bethlehem for the Messiah, the Savior, to be formed, to be born. This place is not what it seems. But you know why? You know why Jesus came there? Because it symbolizes why Jesus came. He came humbly to die for our sins and save us. Jesus was not born in a palace of a king, but in a humble stable 
in a no-name place called Bethlehem. That all pointed to his humble life. This all pointed how he came to serve, to die for our sins. You know why? So that we can have heaven. So that we can have life with God today, right now. You know what's interesting? The name Bethlehem means house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means, house of bread. Maybe they they are known for bread, making bread, for their bread. It's interesting that Jesus said in John 6, verse 33, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 35 of that same chapter, John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. So you see, this was God's plan all along. To have Jesus born in Bethlehem. To come to this no-name, little, insignificant town. Because it symbolized his mission there. And why he came to this earth. Why we celebrate Christmas so much. Because Jesus was born a human being. God, the Son, came to become a man. To die in sacrifice for our sins. This is why this was such a huge moment. You know what? Let me get, let me tell you something something interesting. It's something that the the Jewish Christian he's a, a converted Jew. Uh, he's a Bible scholar. His name is Alfred Edersham, and he wrote this book called The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. And he kind of wrote it from this Jewish Christian perspective. Well, in this book, he wrote that according to Jewish tradition, on the edge of Bethlehem, on the town of Bethlehem, is this what they call Migdal Eder, or Tower of the Flock. It was like a watchtower for the shepherds. But this particular watchtower, this Tower of the Flock, this Migdal Eder, was was actually for the shepherds who raised the sheep or the lambs for the temple sacrifices. Remember, Bethlehem was close to Jerusalem. So this tower of the flock was where when a mother sheep, a ewe, right, was about to give birth to the lamb, the shepherd would bring the the mother sheep uh, to this place so that the lamb would be birthed there. And when the lamb was was born, they would actually take the lamb, put it in this like stone trough, this stone bed. And they the there was a, a local priest there, they would examine the lamb to see it would if this lamb would qualify for the temple sacrifices. And they would actually take white strips of cloth as a guide even and to make sure, and they would wrap the lamb. If, if the lamb qualified, they would actually wrap the lamb up so the, the legs and all wouldn't scratch uh, uh, itself in that way. And so then they would take swaddling cloths, uh, like Jesus was, that were marked for this that lamb. It would mark the lamb, actually, for sacrifice. Now, if Edershim is correct, think about this. God also brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem to be born there to symbolize that Jesus is the Lamb of God that will be sacrificed on the cross for our sins. I think that's amazing. So you see what we're learning today. And this is our last point. On the surface, it seemed like everything could not have turned out more worse. But God had worked everything into his plan. Isn't that amazing? On the surface, it seemed like everything could not have turned out more or worse. But it was God. God worked it out. God worked everything into his plan. And that's what we see in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. The fulfillment of the plan is Luke chapter 2. You know, sometimes kids get the words wrong in some of the Christmas songs and carols. Like um, I was reading 
some kids were singing Noel, 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 Noel. And rather than born is the king of Israel, they were singing Barney's the king of Israel. Or another one, they were singing like Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Calm. And they got to the part where they sang Sleep in Heavenly Peas, like peas that you eat. Another child was singing, Deck the halls with Buddy Holly. Another one sang, Later on we'll perspire as we dream by the fire. It's supposed to be conspire, right? And it's like, well, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> one more. I like this one. He's making a list, chicken and rice. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good right now. Well, you know, like our little cakey, we can get things mixed up and even see things wrong. I know it's easy to get frustrated. I know it's easy to get angry. I know it's easy to get discouraged when things look like it's not working to what was planned, you know, what was hoped, what was expected. But know this, God is always at work at His plan. And let me say this, even when we mess things up, even when there's consequences that we got to live through, the miracle is Romans 8.28, that God takes all things, even our mistakes. I mean, we understand all oh, the good things and our obedient things that, you know, He can work the good out of that. But Romans 8.28 says that all things work together, even our bad. It doesn't give us excuse for what we did, but it, the miracle He does is He can take the bad, the things we messed up, and use that to work His good plan. So listen, as we close up, no matter what your Bethlehem may be, God has a miracle in the work. God has a miracle in the works. Maybe you're here today and you're holding back. You've been holding back for giving your life to Christ. Maybe you feel like, ah, I messed up. I prayed the prayer years ago. I accepted Christ, but I messed things up. But you know what? The Christmas story, the truth that we read here, is Jesus came to a world that was really messed up. And He still came. He didn't come because, oh, there's some good people. No, He came because we're all messed up and we need a Savior. So He's calling you today. He's calling you to give your life to Him, to accept Him into your heart, to, to recommit your life. And I pray you would do that today. As we close and we sing a last song, I pray that that will be a song of, of, of just praise and worship and, and giving your heart to Christ once more. I'll close with this. Instead of write, writing a letter to Santa Claus, Julian Holland, an eighth grader in Pennsylvania, wrote a letter and addressed it to Jesus. It, it, the letter read like this. Dear friend, I am 13 years old and you must think I'm weird for writing a letter to Jesus when everyone knows it wouldn't get anywhere, but I wanted to give you a message. Every Christmas, all people think about is getting presents, but it, that's not the reason at all. I think Christmas means getting all your friends together and having a good time because Jesus is born. And that's just the beginning of all the beautiful things he did for us by being born. And she wrote this. By being born, he let love into the world. Isn't that beautiful? Well, the letter landed in the hands of a customer service director for the local post office. And Donald Orner wrote back. He wrote back to her and said, We have no mail route to heaven but I am sure that Jesus is aware of what you wrote. He went on to say, You said your letter wouldn't get anywhere, but it touched my heart. And be assured, He knows. May you have a happy Christmas. I don't think the 8th grader knew how her words would touch another person who, 
who maybe was going through their Bethlehem, yeah, their hard time. But God knows. He knows what we need. He knows what we're going through. He's there to care and love on us. And that's why Jesus came to bring God's love into a loveless world. And may this Christmas, may this be for you. May you find the miracle of God's love flooding your heart, flooding your life as you understand what Jesus really did. And may what we see here, what we see here today be what you see this Christmas, the Bethlehem miracle. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for anyone here right now, God, that never have received you, God, that this will be the moment. Lord, I pray for anyone online, God, that is listening to this, is catching this, Lord, that they would accept you into their heart. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that has wandered away from you, and maybe it's been years, but you're back. You're connected online. You're here in church because you know you need to get back to Jesus. And I pray that they will recommit their heart to you. And if you're that person, I want you to just repeat after me right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for being born on Christmas. Thank you for growing up and dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me of my sins as I repent before you. Cleanse me of my guilt. Make me new in you. Restore me right now. And as I give my life to you, and as I accept you into my heart, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe in you, Jesus. You are God the Son. Thank you for loving me. I love you too. In Jesus' name, amen.